Well, good morning. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. Hey, great response right up here. You guys get an A. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. just want to welcome you along with Ryan and Eva. It's great to have you today. And if you take your Bible and turn me to the book of Jude, we're going to conclude our series, the series that we've been in, the book of Jude. And I just want to kind of give a shameless um, shout out about some of these things that are happening on the calendar. There are some great, great stuff that's happening this summer at Life Church, you don't want to miss. I mean, I know summer's laid back and we have a good time, but but there's some great things that are happening. The July 4th weekend, we're going to have two pack services on the 5th. I'm going to be speaking that day and uh, got a message that um, really going to celebrate the volunteerism of Life Church and the people that make this church happen. You want to be here. And uh, we never announce uh, special guests either. I never do that. It's just kind of one of my things. And I have shamelessly put out two names of two special guests for two different weekends this summer. We don't have a lot of guests here, so I'm pretty, we're pretty selective about who comes. And, but uh, the middle of July, we've got Phil Schmidt, and he's one of the missionaries that we support. And um, just please read my lips when I very rarely say this. You do not want to miss that weekend. That's all I'm going to say. And Saturday night, will be off the hizzy. I'm just telling you, you don't want to miss. This is, this is not one of those things, oh, a pastor's not. I'm going to be here. It's going to be unreal, unplugged. It's going to be great. And then in the 1st of uh, August, um, August the 1st and 2nd, uh, we've got a pastor friend of mine, uh, Walter Harvey, who pastors Parklawn Assembly in Milwaukee, one of the largest, well, the largest Assembly of God churches in Milwaukee. Uh, it was the top 100 fastest growing churches in America last year, and um, they're celebrating 100 years, and uh, just a great church, about 2,000 worshipers there. Walter's going to be with us on Sunday and on Saturday night and going to speak, and it's just going to be awesome. I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm so excited. And then, uh, have you ever want to know what it was like if everybody that attends Life Church all were together in one big service? I hear people saying, that, oh, it'd be great. It'd be awesome to see this. And, August the 31st, no, August the 30th on Sunday, no Saturday night, we're going to do one weekend service. We've rented out Washington Fair Park, just a couple of exits north of us here on 45, to do our baptism and picnic. And some of you go, well, we've always done Atlantic Quarry, and what happened? Well, the beach didn't keep growing with the size of the congregation. It's hard to get a thousand people out there. So, um, so what we're going to do that weekend is, I'm just telling you, it's going to be off the chain. You're going to be getting way more information about it. Mark your calendar. Be there. We're going to where we had Prime, that where we had our Prime event, minus the snowstorm. We're going to be there, and it's going to be great. And you can wear shorts to church that day. Some of you already are. That's great. I'm going to get to do that too, I think. And uh, But it's just going to be an awesome day. But we're going to celebrate what God's doing, and we're going to have a huge baptism there. And we're bringing baptismal tanks in and the whole deal. I'm just, it's just going to be awesome. This is going to be a summer you want to be here for. So I'm just telling you, shameless plug, got it? Jordan, it's great to see you today, buddy. We've been praying for you. And uh, good to see you here. And if you need some help gaining weight, you come see me. I'll take care of you. (laughs) When he was in the hospital, I went and saw him on. He went in on Friday night, and I saw him on Saturday morning. And I was trying to kind of lighten the situation up a little bit. Again, hospital ministry is probably not my top ministry gift. And uh, Jim had already been there to do his thing, and so here it was. I was the, the, the B, 
the second tier down. And, and so I looked at him and I said, you know, I was only born with one kidney. And so if something happens that God doesn't completely restore that kidney, the good news is you're going to live. And the better news is you can look like this. <laughs> yeah, I wish you'd laugh like that. Anyhow, so it's great to have you, Jordan, and good to see you. We've been praying for you. All right, the book of Jude. Now, the last couple of weeks, for those of you that may not have been here, let me just kind of give you a recap. Jude was written by the brother of James, who was a leader in the New Testament church and the half-brother of Jesus. And Jude is written about 65 AD, so the New Testament church is about 30, 35 years old. They've kind of gotten a little complacent a little bit. Some things have kind of crept in. Jude is written to Jewish converts. So these are people that were raised in the synagogue. They were raised in church. They knew better, but they'd kind of forgotten some things. And, and, and so they had gone from the law of the Old Testament where they had to jump through all these hoops, and now they've found this faith and this grace in Jesus Christ. And so the freedom had kind of taken excesses. It kind of had the pendulum had kind of swung. Jude comes in and writes this, and he reminds them, first of all, you're in a spiritual warfare. Don't, don't forget that. And as Christ followers, it's a good reminder for us. And two weeks ago, I reminded you, we are in a spiritual battle. And we don't wrestle against people or against other churches. We wrestle against principalities and rulers of darkness and everything that exalts us before the name, the power, and the glory of God. That's what Ephesians tells us. So therefore, we put on the full armor of God that we're ready to do battle. And then Jude goes on to say in verse 3, which is a theme verse for this one chapter book, that the reason why we're here is to defend the faith, to defend the truth. And so in defending the truth, he also makes his statement about the truth, that the truth is a head knowledge, which is a knowledge of God's word and who God is and who Jesus is. But it's more than that. There's also a heart issue in this, that if you just believe cognitively in who God is, even the, even the demons in hell believe and tremble at the very mention of the name of Jesus. But when you accept him as your personal Lord and Savior, that changes everything. That's why Paul wrote to the church in Rome in Romans 10, 9, and 8. That, uh, that if we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus is who the Bible says that he is, that we will be saved. And so he reminds us uh, of that. He also reminds us that, that what's happened is, is that in, in, this, in this truth issue that there have been false teachers that have come in and they've simply taken the truth and they've twisted it. So it's partially truth, but it's corrupted. It's perverted. The word pervert means just basically to twist or to change. And so they've come in and they've turned basically... Uh, he says it's a license. They made, they made grace a license for immorality. They've made grace a license to sin, and that's not what Jesus Christ died for. And so we've been talking about this the last couple of weeks. He ends this, this one-chapter book, which is phenomenal in my opinion, with these last five verses, verses 20 through 25. And we want to read that today because he's going to talk to us today not just about knowing the truth or defending the truth, but how to live the truth. What do you do with what you've heard? Verse number 20, he says this. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in the most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who are in doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. And to others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from failing and to present you before his glorious present without fault and great joy. That's our, our memory verse for the week. Isn't that a great verse? I'm going to read that again. That's just a good reminder. To him who is able to keep you, me, to keep Aaron from falling and to present Aaron before his glorious present without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory and majesty and power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. 
He tells us, and this is in your notes on the back side of your bulletin if you want to follow along. Basically, three things we've got to do to understand to live the truth. First of all, we've got to build ourselves up. Verses 20 through 21, he says, you've got to first build yourself up in faith. The first way you build yourself up as a Christ follower is in faith. And, and faith, the Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith is one of those things that it's an action word. It's really not a noun, I don't think. I know you could argue with that, but grammatically speaking. But it, it's really more of a verb. Faith is an action verb. Faith is not like something you point to. You can't go buy you know, six pounds of faith at, at, at Walgreens. Faith is something that you've got to take and you've got to develop. And the Bible says that our faith grows kind of like a muscle when it's exercised, when it's, it's, it's strengthened, and, and that and that faith comes when we come into faith in Jesus Christ, we, we, we ask him to be our Lord and Savior through faith. We are saved through faith. We believe, and the Bible even says, I don't know if you realize this, but there's a blessing to us who did not see Jesus Christ on this earth, yet we believe. Do you know there's an extra blessing to us? Because we believe, yet not seen with our own eyes. There's a greater blessing than we had than the first century uh, Christians who saw Jesus and who heard the teachings of Jesus and who got to see Jesus' miracles. Because it would be one thing if Jesus Christ showed up on the stage today and, and just did what he did. But it's another thing when you read this book 2,000 years later and you go, I believe. That's faith. It takes faith. It takes faith to believe. It takes faith to overcome. And, and as I'm studying this this, uh, this this week, I was reminded of a statement that I heard a long time ago. That, and that's this, a calm sea never made a skillful sailor. A calm sea never made a skillful sailor. And you may go, what are you talking about? Strength comes out of struggle. You will never grow in your Christian walk unless you have mountains to climb and valleys to go through. You will never, you will never know the heights and the depths of God unless your proverbial back is against the wall and the only way out is up. You will never be able to sing of the greatness and the victories of God unless you've struggled. There are people that will walk up to you in church and say, man, I'm praying for you. God's going to give you a job. I'm believing for that this week. And you go, why are you believing that for me? How can you do I don't know if I can believe that for myself. And, or you, somebody comes up and says, Man, I'm believing God's going to take care of these needs in your life. Or I'm believing this week that God's just really going to do a work in your kids' lives. Or I'm just really believing God's going to do work in your marriage. And I just want to pray for you. And you go, where does that faith come from? I don't even know that I have the faith to believe. Can I tell you where it comes from? They've struggled. They've been there without a job and they've seen God provide. They've been there without income and they've seen God provide. They've been there where the marriage was in trouble and they've seen God show up. They've been there where the kids were prodigals and God showed up. You see, when, 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 when we go through ba battles and we go through trials and through temptations and through struggles, it, it, we have a choice. Either we just fall apart or we look up. And when we look up in faith and we say, God, I give you this situation, and God, I'm going to choose not to worry, and God, I'm going to choose to cast my cares upon you, and God, I'm going to let your, your righteousness work in my life. Your word says, and we began to quote scripture, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And we began to say, you know, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I can overcome by the, by the blood that Jesus Christ shed and the word of my testimony, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that, that I don't have to worry about, worry about the things of this world. But if I put my eyes upon you, Matthew 6, says, you'll take care of these things. And we go over and over and over. What happens? Your faith begins to be built up. And what happens is your frustration turns into fruitfulness. And your despair, God begins to break through the demands of life, and he begins to show up in your, in, in, in your situation. Some of you today, you're struggling. You're floundering like a fish out of water. And I'm going to tell you, quit flailing. Quit, quit, just give it to him. 
But that's so much easier said than done. Yes. And you go, but how can you say that? Because I've been there. And, and there's other people in this room that have been there. And the word of God is, this, is an account after another account after another account of people who have been there. And God showed up. And God will do exceedingly and abundantly above all you can think or ask. And some of you go, yeah, that's just Sunday morning Christian rhetoric. Is it? If that's all it is to you, then you know what? Honestly, you're better off to go to Cracker Barrel and have some biscuits and gravy. I was there on Friday. It's a pretty good gig. No, it works. And Jude says, remember, strengthen your faith. Allow that muscle to be developed. Allow that to be developed. Allow yourself to go through the struggles. Allow yourself to go through the rough seas and the tempests of life. Because through that, God's going to bring skill in your life. And through that, God's going to show up in your life. And through that, God's going to remind you once again that he's God. Do you realize that we don't ever get to see the miracles of God if we're not in trouble? We like to see all God do all this supernatural. We like to be like 4th of July. Right? We want to sit in our lawn chair and see all the fireworks and the action without any kind of, any kind of output from us. It's not that way. When, when God shows up and does these awesome things in our life, it's because our back's against the wall. It's because there's no other thing to have, no other way out. And, and, and don't forget, sometimes it happens in your life so you can tell your kids and remind your kids. Because there were many things that happened when I was a kid that I remember God showing up. The only way out was up. Faith it develops you, it grows you, it strengthens you. He said, build yourself up in prayer. Prayer is a spiritual word that means conversation with God. And your prayer time may happen on your commute to work or commute home. It may happen at the midnight hour. If you're a night owl, it may happen early in the morning. But it's just you talking to God. You don't have to read a prayer. You don't have to have certain words. You don't have to like, oh, thou us goddess in the heavenest of the most highest above us Ustist, whatever ST I can end with, thinkest thouest. I mean, Jesus didn't speak in King James. You realize that. He didn't even speak English, okay? Some of you are like, whoa, that is deep. Wow. So you have to understand that that doesn't get God's attention. It's always funny to me when there's always when there's a message interpretation in tongues and somebody gives the interpretation in King James. It's just an interesting thing to me. Thou us goddess to the heavenless. God doesn't have to speak to us like that. And some of you I just offended, and I don't mean to offend you, but I'm just trying to get a hold of your crusty Christian self. God talks to us just like we talk. Do you understand? He talks to you just the way. You know how he talks to me? Hey, Aaron. Hey, McFly, I'm here. Oh, yeah, there you are, God. How many times do we have to have this conversation? I told you, and I showed you, and over and over, just go do it already. Maybe God talks to you in this real sweet way. It's okay. JC, I just want you to do my... I mean, I don't know. But God talks to you, and he talks to me just in this very straightforward way that we talk. And so you don't have to have a certain posture. You don't have to have your hands templed in order to get God's... This isn't some honing device like you're getting 3G connection to God. <laughs> You just simply say, God, here's what's going on. Here's my heart. Here's what's happening. And God, do you remember when God talked to Adam and Eve? The Bible says he did it in the cool of the day. Don't you love sitting on the back porch of your deck here, Wisconsin summers, and just 
just having, you know, like a cold glass of tea or lemonade, or, and you just, you're just sitting there, and you're just having a conversation. That's how God wants to talk to you. He wants to talk to you, and he wants to hear from you. And so Jude reminds us, hey, build yourself up in prayer. Have a conversation with God. Talk to God. Cast your cares upon him. Talk to him. And, and, and how does he talk to you? Through his word. Then you open your word up, and God begins to speak to you through the word of God. It's amazing how that works. And he says, and when you pray, the third thing he says, pray, build yourself up in the Holy Spirit. Build yourself up in the Holy Spirit. He says, pray in the Holy Spirit. And, and this is a reference to the whole, uh, we did a series on this called the Wild Goose Chase. And if you weren't here, I'd encourage you to pick it up at guest services. You can pick it up and all of that. There's also a book by Mark Batterson called The Wild Goose Chase. But, but basically, the, the fifth century Celtic Christians called the, had a word for the Holy Spirit, and they called him Adon Gloss, which meant wild goose. And to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and have a spirit-led life, it's much like a wild goose chase. It's adventurous. It's unpredictable. You're, you're, you're not in control. It's not aimless, but it's, but it's very much strategic. But, but have you ever figured out God doesn't always go the shortest distance between two points? He, doesn't, he sometimes takes the scenic route. And that, that, that wild goose chase, and, and Jude is reminding us to, you know what? Use the Holy Spirit that you've been given. Begin to build yourself up in the Holy Spirit. I'm reminded as we read this, because as I read commentary this week, what's interesting, some of the commentary that I read was from evangelicals, very smart men, who don't have a bias towards Pentecostal charismatic giftings of the Holy Spirit uh, that what we, we would hold as a church. And, and then that's okay. But they make reference that when Jude says this, he's making reference to this this glossolalia, this speaking and praying in the spirit, this speaking in tongues. And again, if you've got questions, check out the Wild Goose Chase series. It'll answer those. But he makes reference to that, to pray in the spirit. And I'm reminded what Paul told the church in Corinth, that when you pray in the spirit, you are building up your spirit, man, because your spirit, man, becomes fruitful. And so as you go through things and as you're building yourself up, you begin to connect with God. You get on the wild goose chase and, and, you, and you begin to develop and to grow that in your own life. The next thing he tells us to do is to stay within the bounds of God's love. He says that we should build ourselves up in God's love. And, and some of your versions use the word boundaries, stay within the boundaries of. And what this means is we're to stay close to God and to his people. Stay within the boundaries of his love means just staying close to God and to his people. If you want to build yourself up, you need to have a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ through prayer and through the word. But you also need to have a vibrant relationship with other Christians. Now, I know there are some crazy Christians out there, right? Mm, let's just talk about this. There's some fruit flakes and nuts, right? There's some granola going on in the body of Christ. We've all seen it, right? And your radar kind of beep, 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 beep. It goes off. I get all that. But the bottom line is, is that we need each other. And we need a relationship with one another. And we need to be involved in the messiness of other people's lives. I didn't say get in somebody else's business. That's a whole other story for a whole other day. I'm saying we need to be there to help one another. Pray for one another. Strengthen one another. Encourage one another. Last night, a whole, just a group of, of young adults, excuse me, young adults, young marrieds, uh, 20-something, 30-somethings, all went to, came to the Saturday night service, and then all went to Roberts, and the kids were, I mean, the kids were in the planning beds. They were everywhere. It was crazy. But it was great because we got to connect with one another and got people connected and just kind of hung out for about an hour and a half or so and just kind of got to get to have conversation, and our kids got connected. We need that in the body of Christ. 
If you're not involved in a life group, I encourage you, get involved in a life group. I know most of our life groups take a break in the summer, but you can kind of select one and get connected. Because you need to stay within the boundaries of God's love. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that we forsake not the assembling of ourselves together and do it so much more as we see the return of Christ approaching. And so he says, if you want to build yourself up, stay close to God and and to his love. And let his love be in you and, and you be in his love. But also stay close to his people. Even sometimes it gets a little crazy. Even sometimes people get on your nerves. I can't right? No, you would never have that happen. We need each other. We need to have each other. And so he says, stay there. That's how you're going to build yourself up. That's how you're going to, 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 to live the truth out in your life. And the last thing he says is patience. Patience. Build yourself up with patience. Now, patience is not something I like to pray for. When I was young and spiritually foolish, I'd say, oh, Lord, give me patience. Yeah. That's when all hell breaks loose, right? Everything, the wheels fall off, everything happens. Why does he use this word patience? What's, it's, it's like this doesn't fit. He's wanting to remind us we're on a journey. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And we're not home yet. We're still flawed humanity. We're still imperfect, right? You're imperfect. I'm imperfect We're just one beggar to another beggar where to find food. We're all on this journey. And until we cross the line into eternity, we're not home yet. And there are days, man, where I just want to be home. There are days that this struggle of this world, I just want it to be over with. There are days when I don't want another bad news. I don't want to hear of somebody else passing away or some other sickness or some other disease or something else going on. And, and it's sometimes there just seems like we're hit with all these reminders that we're not home yet. And I just have to remember, I'm not home yet. I'm still on this journey. I'm still walking this thing out. And as long as God has me here, I still have got to develop and to grow in this. And this is what Jude is reminding these first century Christians. Remember, this is a journey. Remember, Galatians 6, 9, and 10. Don't become weary and well-doing for in due season. If you don't quit, if you don't give up, if you don't throw in the towel, you'll have your reward. Just day in and day out living it. And Paul says that I pray that you don't fall, but if you fall, know that you can get yourself back up You can confess your sins to God. He's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, and you can keep on the journey. Why? Because we're on a journey. And the greatest thing on the journey is just walking. And some of you may be here today, and you feel tired, spiritually speaking. You feel, oh, just emaciated, spiritually speaking. You feel drained. You just want to give up. Can I tell you, don't give up. That's what Jude's saying. Don't give up. Have patience. Do this thing. Walk this out one foot in front of the other. Just say, today is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. I'm just going to walk it out today. I'm going to do it today, and I'll deal with tomorrow, tomorrow. Do you know it's biblical not to deal with tomorrow until tomorrow comes? Because Jesus says tomorrow's got enough trouble of its own. Amen. I just got to deal with today. Some of you, today is the big thing. Some of you, just, just get through today. Don't worry about, well, what am I going to do? What about this? Oh, do you know that worry is a sin? Mm, don't shout me down when I'm preaching. Good. But it's true. Because when we worry, we take our cares from God, who we're supposed to cast them on, and we say, I'm going to handle this. How arrogant is that? Hey, God, I got this one. Right? And we don't mean to, but we do when we do that. And Judah's just reminding us, just keep walking this out. Just don't give up. 
Just don't quit. Build yourself up. And the second thing he tells us to live the truth is to build up others. We don't have a responsibility just to ourselves, but we have a responsibility to other people. And that's one of the things that we talk about here at Life Church. that church doesn't exist for us. It exists not for the found, but for the lost. That's what Jesus said. He didn't come to seek and save that which is found. He came to seek and save that which is lost. And so Jude tells us there's a couple of ways of doing that. First of all, through verse 22 and verse 23, we're to serve others. That by serving others, we, we, we build others up. Now, there's three types of people that he's talking about in these three different statements. And this, he's talking about people who were once in the church, they were once in faith, and they've slipped away. They've fallen away. They've been hurt by the church. Now realize, the church is only 30 years old at this point, and people are hurt. 2,000 years later, you think people are still hurt? Oh, yeah. It happens, right? Because it's us. It's not you. It's not me. It's us. We're all funky, right? We all got this thing going on. And the reality is, is that, you know, church was perfect till you showed up. That's a joke. <laughs> right? I mean, we are. And, and if you haven't been offended at church, you're going to get offended. And if I haven't offended you yet, let's just get it over with and let me say I'm sorry. Because it's going to happen. <laughs> And it's not that I'm mean to. It's not that I'm this mean, vicious person that I've been plotting for months, just waiting for you to be at that service, and boom, I'm going to pop you. It's just life. And sometimes we have offendable spirits. Sometimes the pastor's in a bad mood, and he's the one that gets to preach that week. And, you know, here's the reality. We know people who have fallen away. And Jude says, here's what you need to do to those people. Serve them. Don't try to convince them. Don't try to change their mind. Don't try to ease their pain. Don't try to peel back the calluses. Don't make them walk through what they got through there in the first place. Don't slip them tapes and CDs and, and, and email them MP3 files of, of your pastor's preaching. And, 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 and don't use words like, oh, come to my church. You need to be at my church. My church will change it all for you. No, it won't because we're all imperfect. And they got church hurt at church A. If they're not ready, they're going to get hurt at church B. And Jude says, don't try to convince them. Don't try to win them. Don't try to change them. Just serve them. I know this is rocket science. But just serve them. What do you mean? I mean, just, just, just be kind. Be sweet like bear meat. Just, I mean, just serve them. Just be nice. Just, just be friendly. Just don't try to change them. Don't try to undo the wrongs in the past. Don't, don't take it upon yourself that you're the one to reconstruct their spiritual life. Just serve them. Hey, love to have you guys over for dinner. No agenda. Hey, we'd love to get together with you guys sometime. Hey, you know, I know you're going out of town. Could I, could, could, could I plow the drive while you're gone? Or could I help you with, with, with cutting the grass? Or, you know, or, or they ask you to do something. Sure, we'd love to help you, you know, serve. Why? Because... When you serve without an agenda, it takes rocks out of people's hands, and all of a sudden, they're just there with open hands, and there's a way that it breaks us down, and God shows up. They don't need to come to your church. They don't need to hear your pastor. They don't need to get what you've got. They don't need another sermon. Listen, if great preaching was going to change this world, it would have already been changed. I tell every young guy on the staff, listen, your preaching gift may, may be awesome, but the reality is this. It's not going to change the world. What's going to change the world is our love for one for another. 
what I do here on Sunday is very small compared to what you're going to do tomorrow in the marketplace. What you're going to do in the marketplace is huge. What I'm doing here is just kind of, we're having a go fight win before we hit the ground. That's what we're doing right now. I'm stirring you up. I'm getting in your kitchen. I'm rattling the pots and pans. That's what it, when he says equip the saints for the work of the ministry, he's agitate them. Just get them all worked up. Just kind of get them thinking and going and moving in that direction. And they'll do something, right? The, the reality is, is he says, just serve. Because there are people that are falling away. And the second thing he says that with other people is to show mercy. To show mercy. There's another group that, that they were dealing with in the first century. And it's amazing to me that we still deal with this today. And, and that is people that are struggling with junk in their life. They're in Christ, but they're struggling. They're in their faith, but they're struggling. And, and in light of what Jude's talking about, it's they're, 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 they're kind of getting swept away in some of this false doctrine, some of this false teaching. He, he basically says, cut them some slack, give them a break. Now, I want you to listen to this. Because most of the time, we want to chastise people in that place. Most of the time, we want to we read them the right act. Most of us, we just want to just go, boom, 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 boom. Here's what's right with me, and here's what's wrong with you. And you draw the line of sand. And I'd be the first one to probably be just as guilty as anybody else in this room. Because this is what the Word says. You either live by it or you die by it. You draw, there's the line. You're on that side, you're dead. You know, it's kind of like the Old Testament. And Jude says, no, 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 show mercy. What does he mean by that? He means give people grace to struggle. Can I tell you, I I just want to tell you something that most preachers won't tell you. There may be things in your spiritual life that you struggle with your entire time on this planet. Paul did. He had what was called a thorn in the flesh. And he even asked God many times to remove it. But God in his wisdom, Paul says, in his sovereignty decided not to do that. And Paul didn't understand it, but he just continued to walk it out. And we don't know what that thorn in the flesh is. We don't know if it was a sin issue. We don't know if it was just a bothersome issue. We don't know what it was that he had to work around, but we know there was a struggle. And what, what Jude is saying here, and you catch, listen to what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's okay to sin. I'm not giving you a license to sin because he says earlier in this chapter that the false teachers and the false doctrine is what's given license to take the grace of God and make it a welcome mat to wipe your feet off on. And he said, that's sin and it's wrong. But I'm saying there may be addictions, there may be problems, there may be situations that every day of your life, you've got to lay them on the altar before God. And every day of life, it's a struggle for you to make it through, but you make it through. And every week, you may have to give it to God, but you make it through. And you may struggle with things. There may be some things that, boom, just burdens are lifted away. There may be other things in your life that you struggle with. But let me tell you something. Some of you walked in this room today, and you are fighting with all of your might against temptations and trials and situations. But you're still fighting. You have not lost. And you're not a second-class citizen. You are flawed by the same flesh and humanity that everybody in this room is. And everybody in this room, listen to me, everybody in this room has issues. Mm, Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Preachers, pastors, Billy Graham, we all got issues. All of us, you have issues. Yes, you. No, not me. Yeah, you. You've got junk in your life. You've got things in your life that you battle and that you deal with. And you may not want anybody else to know about. But the reality is, the problem isn't when we're struggling with it. The problem is when we accept it. When you accept it and go, I'm just going to do this, you're accepting sin in your life. And Jude says, no, 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 no. You can't do that. Because that will produce sin. And sin, when it's full grown, will produce death in your life. 
But what you have to do is continue to fight the good fight, continue to struggle against it, continue to war against it. And if you have to war against it every day till you get to eternity, you, it will be worth it all because God then will see you through. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's okay to struggle. Some of you struggle with smoking and you feel like a second-class citizen in the church. And I'm not for smoking. I hate smoking. I have a high allergic to smoke. I, won't, I, don't, I don't even go into restaurants. I, I just, oh, I hate it. But I'm telling you, you're not a second-class citizen. And I'm not any better than you. Do you understand? We have this way of pointing to having these hierarchy of, of, of sins or hierarchy of things. Some of you, you're, you're dealing with, with there, there are issues in your life and there are situations. And I could spend the whole day, I could spend an entire series on this and I won't. I just want you to know it's okay to struggle. And when we find people that are struggling in the church, we don't need to chastise them or ban them or excommunicate them. We need to lovingly say, hey, let me give you some grace and let me pray for you. Because they're already condemned by themselves. See, here's the amazing thing. It's your sin that condemns you, not Christ. But sometimes the church, we want to step in there and be brothers and sisters with sin, and we want to just beat you upside the head with a Louisville slugger and just help sin. And we don't need to do that, Jude says. We need to show mercy. What brings us to repentance? Is it the judgment of God? No, because we all know we're dead. We all know that we're jacked up. We all, we've got that. Anybody, that, anybody I meet in the, in, in the community that's away from God, there's no question. They, they're, they're not 